Welcome to the Echo Podcast by Fantastic Geek. We are the official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. Are you ready to powwow? The Echo Podcast by Fantastic Geek for Episode 5, Maya, is brought to you by Yeti. Keep your RPG cool before you turn your foes into spaghetti. Pete, before we dive into this latest offering of the MCU, we want to make our way across all the pop culture goodness. Maybe not all of it. Some slices hither and yon. Pete, when it comes to Star Wars, specifically Bad Batch, what's the latest you are hearing? The third and final season, Matt, uh, maybe announced uh, a date any minute now. I'm hearing as early as February this as the trailer shown at Star Wars Celebration has never been seen outside of that. So uh, one of the producers involved has been super cryptic on Twitter. I would expect anytime soon. Here's some news about Star Wars Bad Batch. From news news to no news, Pete, the Emmys were last night. What was the Star Wars and Star Trek combined record? Nothing, which might have, Matt, equaled what Better Call Saul has done over its six-season run, which is to say set a record for uh, 53 Emmy nominations and not one win for a generational show that in most estimation surpasses the show it was spun off from. I think particularly with star Wars, most particularly with Andor. Um, and look, I know obviously this Emmy ceremony much delayed due to the strikes and so forth. So it's been since the summer that we've spoken about Emmy nominations. It boggles my mind that Andor did not have any acting nominations at all to me that yeah. is that's that's a crime there's your star wars bias there's your sci-fi bias uh you know perhaps it'll be different for season two but i also feel like to a certain degree at least from the from the razzle dazzle um you know award perspective like the ship may have sailed on andor that's not to say that we're not gonna all thoroughly love and enjoy and be completely touched by a groundbreaking second season but just that that moment of Star Wars for grownups, like that might be gone from the the glitterati set. Um, and it's a shame because, you know, we're, we're talking about some great shows here and or the Star Wars shows, Star Trek, etc. Diego Luna was caught on the red carpet and says he has about seven days left to film for Andor. Uh, so still not done. Hence, I mean, it was already shifted to 2025 anyway. Uh, but yeah, uh, cemented for certain, uh, with that news there. Pete, I would like to make the prediction now that we are getting Strange New World season three in December and we're getting Andor late January. So December 24 and or late, uh, uh, later in the month in January 25. So hopefully there'll be some super fun overlap there. But Pete, from the future to the past to the present, uh, the Marvels now on digital, so making its way 
from its beleaguered box office run to, uh, you know, uh, clearly a precursor to Disney Plus that I'd bet that's going to be, you know, your your March 15th or so for the Marvels on Disney Plus. We thought that uh, maybe Martin Luther King Day, uh, they might slide that in there. Um, but yeah, the pay model for right now, uh, rent it, own it on digital. It comes out physically uh, in February. Uh, but Matt, you know, once you've watched it, people should get over to the Marvel movie podcast and uh, listen to our episode about it. Yeah, uh, a, a an episode where we dig into a movie that we both enjoyed had a good time at um and one as we fully turn back to echo here you know if you believe the razzle dazzle for the marvels in terms of you know not a good uh early draft of you know early edited draft of the film go back reshoots pluck a smaller lighter faster movie out of that um you know that's that's i think what we saw for the marvels that's what we've seen here with echo particularly as Echo debuted number one on Disney Plus and Hulu. Yeah, and I think you're going to get a bounce out of uh, the Marvels when it hits. Um, Matt, despite the Rotten Tomatoes sabotage that, again, has gone on with a Marvel female-led project, yeah, that uh, people are watching, enjoying Echo. Time to recount the legend to the tribe. A woodpecker taps away at a tree as young Maya Lopez watches, hitting it with a rock from a slingshot. She brings it to her mother in a handkerchief, telling her it's hurt after she found it fallen from a tree. Taloa opens the handkerchief and says, it didn't just fall, did it? Maya comes clean and tells her she didn't mean to hurt it, but just wanted to see if she could hit it and apologizes. Her mother tells her she can't harm living things and explain the Choctaw call that bisnicket. Uh, they would uh, tell the bird what to say, and it would tap out a warning when enemies approached. Maya asks if they can fix it, and Taloa crosses her hands and heals the bird with glowing energy. Their truck is broadsided, and Maya sees her bloodied mother slumped in the driver's seat. Chola goes to Scully's Pawn in an attempt to reacquire a sewing machine she brought in a few years ago. He leaves mid-sentence and retrieves it, having never put it up for sale. He cleaned and oiled it because he knew she'd come back for it. Returning to the post office, uh, a little girl bumps into Chola and she drops her letters. Fisk is there to help. She doesn't recognize him and asks if he's there for the powwow. He didn't realize it'd be so crowded. He points out her ASL necklace, says, I love you. They bond over shared loss. 
Chola says she wears the necklace now for her granddaughter, Maya, just in from New York that Fisk wants to know all about. Maya pulls into a Roxxon gas station and removes the contact Fisk forced on her. Working parking at the powwow, Biscuits tries to get Zane to pull his RV into the right area, but he blows him off. Chola is overdue. Biscuits texts Maya, and she sees the woodpecker. He texts again and asks if, he, if she's seen their grandmother or Bonnie. The woodpecker flies off, and so does Maya. At her grandmother's, she finds her mother, who sensed her hurt and does her healing magic, taking Maya back to the car the night of their accident, where she tells her she's not alone, that all of them who came before are part of her because they echo through her. Taloa tells her it's time for the pain to go away. Maya says she doesn't know how, but her mother will help her, along with her ancestors, a long line of special women beginning with Chapa. Protectors who fought for family, and now it is her turn. Maya is concerned she can only bring danger, and her mother tells her not to run, but to stay and fight for them. To remember her gifts of strategy, like Loak, cunning, like Tuklo, ferocity, like Chaffa, and the love of her mother. All of that resides in the suit Chola finished. Every seam shows Maya's part of the women who came before. Taloa tells her she loves her always before disappearing, leaving the suit and Maya to make a choice. The powwow is ready to begin with all the participants in their traditional finery. As the grand entry gets underway, Zane and his gun-toting goons, who have even infiltrated the volunteers, take their positions with eyes out for Maya, who they brand heavily armed and dangerous. Maya wears the suit in a group as they enter, sensing the vibrations of the dancers. Zane gets on top of the RV and scopes the scene with binoculars. A cooler is lifted up to him. The woodpecker draws Maya's attention, landing on a light of the exhibit building. Henry pulls up in his truck and calls Biscuits, who still hasn't heard from Maya, and senses the outsiders are bringing trouble. Henry tells him it's about to get dangerous. Does he have a gun or a weapon? Biscuit says he has something even better. Maya enters the building, drawing her gun, and the lights illuminate as she makes her way until Fisk enters from the other side. He waves Bonnie brought out, and he has Chola too. Maya lowers her gun. With Bonnie translating, Fisk tells her he offered her everything and asks how she could portray him like this. Zane radios he's in position and awaiting the signal. Henry sees him across the crowd. Fisk tells Maya she's brought this on herself, but she says her cousin and grandmother have nothing to do with this. She's their 
legacy, not him. He says that's good because now he knows just how much it'll hurt her when he kills the rest of her family, just like he killed her father. Zane gets the go-ahead and reaches into a Yeti cooler where there's an RPG amidst the ice and refreshments. As Fisk rails on, Maya is sucker-punched. The strength of her ancestors surges through her, and she rises with them. She signs to Bonnie to trust her. She stretches her arms. Bonnie's hands glow, and Shola slips her bonds. Fisk turns around, incredulous, and Shola and Bonnie beat their captors. Biscuits rides out in his grandmother's truck, now with monster wheels, and flattens the goons in the van. Henry screws on a silencer and shoots Zane as he takes aim, sending his RPG high above the fairground. Maya finishes off Fisk's guys and the women surround him. He charges Hands clasped above his head, and Maya does her mother's magic, first to his chest, bringing him to his knees, and then to his forehead, sending him back to the memory of his childhood home as his father beat his mother against the wall, and he overheard it in his room. Maya is there, too, and tries to get him to let go of the pain. As she stops, he grabs her hand, demanding to know what she did. A guard spirits Fisk away to his SUV as police sirens herald their arrival. Maya relives freeing the healed woodpecker with her mother, as well as the happier moments of her childhood as she gets on her bike for another ride. Chola, Biscuits, Henry, and a distracted Bonnie have a barbecue. Maya arrives and her grandmother kisses and embraces her warmly before the credits uh, with Marvel Studios making a note of gratitude to the Choctaw Nation of Oklahoma for their collaboration on the series. A mid-credits sequence shows Fisk uh, in a plane in flight, telling a female assistant he wants to meet with all the remaining heads to stabilize the situation before it spirals out of control. On the TV, there's no clear front runner in the New York City race for mayor. Fisk turns the volume on and the pundits talk about how most voters want someone who's a fighter, which works against career politicians, somebody who understands their pain and frustration. You know, a bare-knuckle brawler would do well, an outsider who's not afraid to take on the establishment. But wouldn't that candidate already have emerged by now? Is he even out there? Well, it is late in the process, but there's still a window of opportunity. Fisk leans in as it could be anybody's race. Let's powwow some theories. So, Pete, at the center of this episode certainly is, uh, you know, 
this empowering arc that Echo is on, that Maya is on, um, the the explanation of the flashes, you know, Pete, for a show that for the longest time, you know, we slash I in particular was kind of recounting some of the troubles behind the scene, you know, not in the last week that we've been podcasting the actual episodes, but just the news of how bad this show would be, supposedly. Here I am watching this finale and, you know, is this the most heartfelt MCU moment of the last year plus? Maybe discounting the animal sadness in Guardians 3, which has its own, you know, we're having a a, a primal mammalian reaction to little baby animals that are that are, you know, being hurt. Outside of that, is this the most potent, you know, display of humanity in the MCU in the last year plus? I think so. I was I was getting misty eyes, you know. I, in that scene where, where all the flashes are explained, obviously tied to the climax of the fight here where those women make a, we'll say a dramatic appearance. I was going to say spiritual. I don't, I think that one can both have and, and, and not, you know, have their cake and eat it too, in terms of, are they there in energy? Are they there in any way? Is it more of a writerly flourish? I think it's all, it's all, yes, it's all what you want it to be, but what I mean, a, what a great scene. No- there's no concrete believing that Maya's mother has resurrected as a, as a ghost. Um, but the emotional resonance as as you're pointing to, and again, so smart to label each of these episodes for an ancestor, starting with Chaffa and coming forward chronologically and then to spread that to Chola and to Bonnie, that it's not just Maya. Yes, Maya has the, you know, physical uh, training, the, the fighting. I mean, she's committed murder for hire. And, you know, under the guise of uh, this is the man that killed your father. And these are the people that, that helped it to happen and, and done like Henry has fisk's dirty work but now imbued with this power that she tapped into in a in a moment of panic when you know her prosthetic got stuck in the train in the second episode and and now to do this with uh you know the roundness of her experience you know create the doubt push through she can do this is it something she you know can fully call at any moment still i don't know that that's the case and i think what fisk's reaction does is to sell that but if you're gonna put it in her and say that it comes from the first ancestors who have some sort of supernatural ability then you give it to the grandmother and the cousin right the women as direct relations to that could they retcon them as mutants or something else you certainly could um you know that that they share that that they're unified in that and when we return to these characters to see that plus it was a great way to get them all back on the same page the fractured relationship the fractured 
family littered with loss that they have yeah it, it, it was a really well done emotional moment and it's stunning matt stunning that there are you know uh people who have turned this around and been like yeah the finale of of echo is uh maya lopez makes fisk cry uh they've, they've taken our our idol matt they they've taken our kingpin and they've made him cry human tears well, you know pete it had in no way i had in no way considered that there might be people who who who, who saw that moment of fisk and who somehow saw it as this emasculating removal of a great character or something like that i mean they've completely twisted wow. it and consider too what does maya do in the in the dream space or wherever where he's experiencing this what does she try to do <laughs> she tries to get him to move past she's she calls him uncle she she is reaching out the way that others reached out to her okay um by the way, so many of these critics too identify as Christians and, and don't understand what's happening in the scene. Um, yeah, like the whole, the whole wonderful conceit of Vincent D'Onofrio playing Wilson Fisk is the fact that the character is so, um, in my mind, so conflicted at all times. He has all this power. He could potentially just rage, rage, rage all the time. Instead, he keeps it bottled up and, and even think back to those early daredevil episodes where it's like people dare not say his name because yes. because of the constraints he has placed on the entire operation with himself at the center his constraints are now the operations constraints all of that speaks to the it's all in line with kind of the psychology that we've seen in daredevil and in the show with the flashbacks and the abuse at home like to me it all tracks that this guy, all I, I would say, all this guy needs. I won't kind of downplay. Um, I won't downplay a potential, you know, nugget of um, therapeutic truth in our world to this character and so forth. But like on a certain level, he just needs he needs professionals to help to get him to a place where he can be hugged and have a cry and really get to that emotional bottom so he can start to build back up again. And again, I'm not trying to say that that is easy. Or I'm not trying to say that, you know, abuse from one's childhood can be solved with a cry. But in a right. five-episode thing, that's how that's how the process starts in a scripted drama that's only so many, you know, so many hours long. But it's always been, too, with his character, this misguided hero complex, you know, from from the streets, pick myself up by my bootstraps and become entrepreneur. And now only I can save you. I mean, come on, Matt, where could they possibly be getting these ideas? <laughs> um, and he he shoots right past it and and now you bring in the political aspect of this i mean my gosh <laughs> my gosh uh to to be able to do this so that um the mayoral um time of his character is coming i mean the only thing to talk about here is one 
is he mayor in uh, Daredevil Born Again? Is he still campaigning? Um, and two, what uh, New York City mayoral contest is this? Is it 2025 where that uh, that seat will be up? Um, if we, if we get to Daredevil Born Again which itself has been born again in terms of, you know, a, a similar process of, oh, the footage is garbage. You're fired, you're fired, you're fired. We are, we're going to try and hang on to some of it, but basically we're, you know, we're, we're, we're mounting a new production to replace much of what was already done. If, if in two tries they haven't figured out that, shall we say, Pete, it will be a richer metaphor to sit and go, here he is, I don't know, descending the golden escalator to announce his candidacy like it's right there to do um the golden escalator (laughs) even as we potentially you know look in the mirror for for our own our own return descent shall we say um they have to do if you're telling me daredevil born again episode one opens with uh his swearing in at midnight in Times Square, and now he's mayor. Like if that's if you're gonna if you're gonna turn aside the journey for the destination and what you can do with the destination. Don't get me wrong, but I think I think that would be that would be a mistake. Um, you mentioned I'm earlier convinced they didn't even write everything that the pundits said, but merely like wrote it down <laughs> when they heard it. Yeah. Um, well, I'll also say too, what a great use of a mid credit scene. Like, I feel like that's almost back in, that's back in proper form. And I mean, Guardians 2 was like, oh, look, you know, Guardians T-O-O, Guardians 3 also, um, I think to a certain degree, had you get excited for, you know, what's to come for Star-Lord, um, and that kind of thing, but like knowing that knowing that the Daredevil series is not that far off, like I ass- I assume with all the shooting and reshooting, like maybe we will see it in a year's time, that sort of thing. Um, that that's a good bridge. But you spoke earlier about the idea of family loss, and I'd like to offer a theory here, just a theory. I've seen no evidence on this, but this episode starts to put together, you know. Zane, the big Zane threat, Strike Team Alpha, Strike Team Bravo, all in the the vehicles there. And I know, I know that last episode we had seeded a little bit this idea of Chula's car is going to get fixed. But when Biscuits shows up in his big wheel, you know, his, his big wheel vehicle here and quickly takes out the baddies, it had me wondering, Pete, is that part of the reshoot? Was there an original version shot where the strike team comes in, you know, which would be in a certain sense, a bigger razzle dazzle finale. Do they take out Bonnie and Chula? I I feel like, you know, Marvel doesn't always take it dark, but I feel like somebody in a writing room 24 months prior might've been like, look for Maya to be free. She must be free of all family. I've, I've heard, I've seen a YouTube video of here over the thousand faces that they got to lose their family or some junk. Luke Skywalker did it. Um, And again, not having a sense of how much of any of these episodes was reshot, let alone 
not for nothing, the potential to majorly reshoot the end of this so you land it now that you've fixed all these other problems. I wonder if there's a draft where that strike team got out of their vehicles, took out a bunch of people, and we end with, you know, Maya Lopez, lonely person, a la the Hulk theme. Um, but instead, Pete, and what we got, Biscuits with the Big Wheels saves the day. Perhaps lending some credence to that. So Chola's abducted, we would assume, from her place of business, right? We see Fisk talking to her at the post office and, all right, hey, hey, I'll, I'll see you later. Come out here. Boom. We don't see it happen, right? We never see Bonnie abducted. Chola is all dressed up and the lipstick and everything. I think it might lend some credence to what you're saying. She looks like she's ready for the powwow, like she's prepared for that. And they may have uh, zigged late in the process and and changed that up. So I, I think that's proof of, uh, you know, unless they tell us, hey, we had a different ending, prepared, whatever, you know, remains to be seen if we'll get a, a Marvel assembled out of this first spotlight series. I, I don't know that that's necessarily going to carry over. I see no reason why not. We still don't have a Mar- um, the Marvels one. There are a couple behind, but, you know, the Loki one was like ready the week after. What the heck? <laughs> I, I well and, and let me add to it there's a certain I, I take a certain issue of uh reliability with those Marvel assembled uh do I think there's gonna be one for echo yes I I feel like it's an, a no-brainer a because it's a nice product for the most hardcore fans to learn more about how it was made also I think Disney gets to rightfully highlight the role that the Choctaw uh people played in this um and if they want again if you want to do an assembled re help take a victory lap with that pete i don't know how many other shows and movies i've ever seen before that have the choctaw nation of oklahoma involved but it it ain't much so disney does does, you know it's a well-earned pat on the back but i think back to the wandavision um assembled where for whatever reason they like hide the fact that the production was cut into by oh what was it a global pandemic unparalleled in the in our lifetime right that for some reason they don't say they don't talk about that at all um so i think if they're if for whatever reason they don't want to talk about covid19 impacting a tv show um then i almost feel like are they going to sit and have people look at camera and go and then i just got the call and kevin was like it's all garbage reshoot like they're not gonna they're not gonna show their flank in that regard so fine you want to tell us a wonderful story of getting the choctaw people involved and there's gonna be many positives there is it going to tell us the actual production of this show i doubt it did fisk put a little girl up to knocking the letters out of chola's hands so he could make small talk with her um i'll Does say his, his cadre of uh soldiers include child soldiers well i was gonna say no but now look could i see him could i see him being like you know yeah here's a lollipop would you like a 50 dollar bill here's all you need to do knock those letters out of that lady's hand 
And if you see two guards holding up a plastic sheet, you just go the other way. Um, I, I could see it. You, you, you took me, Pete, from a solid no to a to <laughs> it, yes. It is completely in line with the the pre planning, the weird manipulation, the weird malice. Even though let's assume letter knocking girl again walked out of there perfectly safe with an extra fifty dollar bill and never the twain shall meet but uh so yeah you turned it into a into a yes it certainly is possible okay fair is fair we're gonna give him credit on this emotionally uh you know resonant finale and and the follow-through that they had uh we got to ding him a little bit matt the end of the previous episode oh hey mr fisk we lost maya she slipped us Uh, okay you mean you couldn't follow the girl on the motorcycle? Oh, wait, wait. You know, the one who still has your super expensive uh, ASL reading uh, contact still in her eye? Which you can't. It's, Pete, it's the first time ever. The first time since since a pre-James Bond TV and film scenario. It's the first time that you can't track a thing. You magically can't track it, but okay, fine. Please continue. No, I, we, we got to ding them on that, man. She takes it out in this episode. Oh, they lost her. Uh, Again, I don't ding them. Yes. Egregious sin. Um, no, I think it is. But still, man, like, don't, I don't know. Maybe you again how often do we say on the podcast it is solved with a line of dialogue oh i took the thing out right yeah don't write yourself into a corner that you you then reveal oh we lost her now i took the thing out okay you didn't lose me you just didn't check it because somebody didn't think through oh my goodness she still has the thing in um, speaking of this portion of the story, I, uh, I feel like these five episodes have given us opportunity to understand Choctaw culture a, a little bit better. Again, I know this is not like the most representative thing ever, what with glowing hands and et cetera, et cetera, but an opportunity to learn. I think each episode has given the audience an opportunity to learn, uh, you know, about native culture, Choctaw culture and so forth. I wish there had been a scene, and this is going to sound perhaps pedestrian, maybe even boring, Pete. She goes into the restaurant. Next scene, there she is eating. I would, I would like to learn more about how how she ordered. Is she is she pointing? Again, it might it might sound like it's the most boring thing compared to you know the legendary D'Onofrio and so on and so forth, but just. Is she using real-world assistive technology? If so, I would have liked to have seen that. Is it just kind of a basic... I found myself wondering how this real, not really real character, Maya Lopez, but it within her reality, uh, you know, and not in the nanobot Thanos, you know, Doctor Strange's magic reality, how does she make her way through the world? I feel like I, I wish I had one more scene to learn how that works, even in an episode that, again, has the wonderful powwow scene and a post credit scene to get us into Daredevil, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I feel like I could, I, I wish I was able to learn just a little bit more about, about her life and, and how she operates in the world. I think it's, you know, 
an accessibility issue in the world you know how often do you see i mean it's part of ada compliance right like all right you need to have wheelchair access and you need to have that i i think to belabor unless you made it a plot point of like oh she's she's trying to communicate to the waitress that she's being followed and instead of like getting her attention and, and pointing to the omelet she wants, she's written there, please call police. Like un unless it was a plot dependent thing, I think they've trusted the audience that we know that uh, a deaf person can move throughout the world in a way that we don't need to see, you know, point to point, line to line understanding of what she's doing. I I really like that answer that she makes her way through the world and and that's the point not not the how. I uh, mean this, this this character would eat most of us for breakfast. She has reformed in the way you know having realized in in Hawkeye what happened and and now recapturing the family that she thought had abandoned her or that she was ashamed to go back and reconnect with. So that only makes her stronger and whatever point she's going to beat Fisk at again, having humbled him here. Okay. Um, and still with love in her heart for him, trying to reform him and unreformable to the point, you know, Oh, I gotta, I gotta get my house in order. Uh, here's an opportunity for an opportunist. Boom. I'm going to jump into that mayoral, uh, you know, um, campaign. Can't wait for her to catch up to him and do it again. Pete, I would like us all for a moment to just mentally rewind to the scene where Zane goes on top of his camper. He's got the, 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 the cooler that's coming up as well. This moment of tension, uh, as the powwow is happening, the slow motion beauty. I would like to speak to Zachary Edward Snyder, Zack Snyder and say, <laughs> this is how you do slow-mo to increase tension while showing, while showing beauty, not just, slow things down because things can be slowed down question mark um pete it's the best genre not slow Snyder, they, they can't any anything can yeah i i don't know that we're gonna help that dude <laughs> <sighs> hopefully pete <laughs> hopefully there aren't any snyder loyalists listening by loyalist i mean we'll find out in a day or two if we're getting absolutely lambasted and the inbox is filled with you know all sorts of responses because uh yeah i think i think one can respect Zack snyder's game or respect his intentions while maybe not always loving the game or whatever like but some of his older stuff i just thought rebel moon was terrible <laughs> <laughs> well pete i think that uh we both eagerly look to the next uh the next time we see fisk the next time we see maya and uh the conclusion the continuance of this story in whatever form it might happen 
I see some smoke signals on the horizon. We start on Twitter, Pete. By the way, increasingly, I'm just seeing how people just call it Twitter, period, without the explanation and whatnot. I just think that's really cool. It's not just an us thing. It's just like, I don't know, symbol of the rebel alliance, I guess. Uh, he, he likes it when you call it the other thing, so you make him sad when <laughs> when you don't call it that thing. And as we've learned that, nobody likes to be sad. <laughs> uh, would people replying in the poll give this one star justice for Zane? 5.6%. Um yeah, that was a dummy answer. If you think if you think Zane didn't get a fair a fair shake in this story, then you were watching another story. Uh, two star, no pow, no wow, got five point six percent. Three stars, spotlight for the win, sixteen point seven percent, and then four stars, queen pin, got seventy two point two percent. Some replies here on Twitter: Noel Gardner at Noel Camille. Uh, major noel gardner good finale i appreciate that no harm came to civilians at the powwow good connection to what's coming next with daredevil born again will we see more echo with the defenders and which ones pete i'll put that to you obviously we know daredevil's coming there's there's rumors abounding that there will be more defenders uh showing up in that show who's the first one that will share the screen with echo not counting daredevil share the screen i i don't know that they will appear simultaneously are you asking which defenders are are coming over um i mean look pete i'm optimistic that in the course of daredevil born again obviously we get daredevil uh you know word is out there that we're, we're going to see more of the punisher uh jessica jones and luke cage that's all the defenders right we don't need to talk about any more of them right <laughs> We, we we filled the we filled the quota and I think we should just go to the next thing on Twitter. Uh, Diana Bodenberg says biscuits is my favorite. That is all. Uh, biscuits is a cool look. There, there's not there's not a miss there's not a there's, there's not a, a major misstep in this show. The supporting characters do great do a great job supporting. They're iconic. They're they're evocative. If, if but the story foul of and again, because here's here's no pun intended echoes of what you were referring to in the previous segment. Um, OK, we have to have a character indicate that Maya has returned to town um, and he can't hold a conversation with her other than signing. Um, and we had not met him previously and he yells to his dog maya lopez is back so it can be used in a previously on in, in the next episode like apart from that they nailed him as you know the 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 plucky uh you know um sidekick cousin perfectly fit the bill Back to Twitter, Bob Keeley at R. Keeley says, I started out lukewarm on this series, but it grew on me as I watched. I enjoyed the finale. Good performances all around. So certainly a hearty response there. And then Pete, last tweet from uh, It's Twitter Not Life. That's at K-C-L-Y-L-E-1. Good final episode. I was surprised that the powers were shared with the other women at first, but it makes sense in the bigger picture. 
of the ancestral connections. I'd love to see more of the character, even if not in her own show. Nice little uh, after credit scene. Um, I would agree. It's it was it was it was the perfect dessert. It really was. Uh, and, Pete, you know, knowing that they're filming now, okay, to whet your appetite for that. It's it's not going to be twenty four. Everybody knows that. It'll be 2025 uh, if they get their act together. If not, you know, why rush it if you're going to do it correctly? I mean, Matt, by the time we see that series, it'll have been a decade since the original Daredevil. Wow. Think about that. Okay. I remember sitting on my couch having, all right, you, you are going through these 13 episodes. You're not getting up. And all the jokes we had about adult diapers <laughs> and, you know, us podcasting in between and my wife had a terrible cold and I had to go to the pharmacy and get her, um, you know, uh, prescription medicine and everything like that. And uh, how, how far we've come. Pete, what do you have there on Facebook? Dean Santos, Matt, writes into the Fantastic Geek Facebook page. Hey, it's not for everybody. He uh, saw uh, the first two episodes of uh, Echo, and he said, sorry, but I bailed after episode two. I've not written back to him here, um, but I'll, I'll say to Dean and I'll say to anybody else, I, I think it's worth watching. Uh, for certain, uh, nowhere near as much as it's been maligned. We feared the burnoff, hence the the five at once. Uh, really would have liked to have seen this stretched out over a month. I think you would have had the the peaks in terms of like, oh, what what people are talking about after they've been viewed similar to all the other Marvel Studios shows, similar to what they've done with star wars to this point i i i'd like to get somebody in a room and ask them hey why why'd you go with all these at once i think one reason to to look at the glass half full uh one reason to put them all at once is something we've talked about in the past where um streaming stuff more recently is measured as the bump the, the minutes viewed in a week um and one way to maximize minutes viewed in the week is to put all the potential minutes out there. It was done to great effect with uh, the bear season two, which I think the original outing of the bear might've been, I don't know that it was all at once, but season two we, definitely we, was. So it was just a carpet bomb experience for the, for, for old fans, for new fans, for streaming numbers, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, they, they, they turn lemons into lemonade in a lot of ways with this show. To the email inbox we go, Pete, hearing one more time. Maybe not one more time. Steve Adams might be in touch for our season finale uh, this weekend. But for, uh, regarding this episode, Steve says, I will admit to being a little confused by the resolution to this story. I'm actually glad the writers found a way to avoid the big fight scene as this allowed them to avoid messy civilian casualties. But what did Maya do or attempt to do to Fisk? At first, I thought she was restoring his eye, but that doesn't appear to seem to, uh, doesn't appear to be the case. If she tried to heal his childhood hurts, it seems she failed, or at least he isn't able to process what happened. Either way, it doesn't seem as though he's changed, especially with the credit scene lean, leading to his run for mayor of New York City. Surely, surely this has to lead to the new Daredevil series, and if it does, I expect it to be very exciting. 
Hopefully Echo shows up there. I really appreciated the fact that, in the end, the family was able to come together and move beyond the hurts of the past. And I think that that was the whole point of the story. This was a really good episode, and I enjoyed this show. This has been a definite improvement for Marvel after recent outings, and I hope it continues to get better. I'm not sure what Marvel's next release will be, but I look forward to it, as well as your views on it. Until next time, stay fantastic. Uh, Pete, regarding one of the points Steve brought up, I believe Marvel's next release, such as it is, uh, is going to be X-Men 97, the animated series, which... Just in the last month, I saw a reference to it maybe not having that title anymore. And also, like, I don't know, is that is animated as major a release as live action? You know, sometimes yes, sometimes no. But um, beyond that, I would agree. Do we have the next series? I mean, Agatha is def- definitely as, as close as we know. Agatha is more of a Halloween show. Mm-hmm. Ironheart is still there in the can. As far as we know, done, done for a year, year and a half, maybe at this point. Yeah, I would, you know, much like we've been led to believe and, you know, see a landing spot for um, Skeleton Crew with Star Wars before the Acolyte, um, the same would seem to be the case with Ironheart. There's some discussion like how tied is to it how how uh tied it is to the armor wars movie once a series and the trajectory of roadie after you know the the thing we all suffered through called secret invasion um yeah just just don't know it's been so quiet on that front i i mean i think you know the slate next is deadpool like as far as you know our understanding heavy heavy rumors there'll be a deadpool uh trailer with the super bowl um i mean really with the uh the deadpool um emmy uh ryan reynolds acceptance last week i mean really you can say now that that's that's formally started right um yeah in fact uh, let's see i will admit a deadpool super bowl trailer was not necessarily on my radar but uh, not only am i completely behind that if there's not one it's almost like what are you doing it's the one marvel studios movie of the year will without a doubt be one at this super bowl with without a doubt book it go talk to anybody you know and say i'll bet you there'll be one and and you can look right too and again i i completely agree like it almost would be like sound the alarm bells if there isn't um because it's almost that 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 i'm telling you right now it's the the ad buy has been made (laughs) okay hey even better even better paid for (laughs) good 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 um yeah, this is to, this is the year of the great return to form for Marvel. So, started with Echo, and Some, a lot of people mad are saying that began with Echo. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Pete, keeping it on Echo, what do you have there over on Apple Podcasts? On Apple Podcasts, Matt, we have our first review written by Doctor Steve T. 
headlined another great podcast in the fantastic. Unfortunately, it cuts off and I'm not allowed to see through either app nor laptop what it says after fantastic, but he spelled it with PH and I would imagine he says family. Okay. Um, it's a five-star rating and it reads the fantastic geek duo deliver another great podcast, intelligent, informative, and insightful, always worth your time. Thank you, uh, Dr. Steve T for the kind words there. And, uh, certainly appreciative to, uh, to get that feedback, uh, particularly Pete with, you know, as stated, going to do a season wrap this weekend and, uh, you know, (laughs) We've done a lot of episodes in a fairly short amount of time, but still, it'll be nice to uh, to take a look at the series thus far, anyway, as a whole. Yeah, and get over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and review, and show people you liked this more than Secret Invasion. Well, Pete, this outing today made possible by those who support us on Patreon.com slash Fantastic Geek. Our thanks for all that they do, keeping us listener-supported. Everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive content, all sorts of levels. You place the value on the podcast. It takes just a dollar a month to get you in that door. Uh, just as a side note, we've we've had people before, you know, oh, I don't want to do a Patreon. I don't want to do like a subscribe or a month to month or or whatever. Seen now that Instagram offers something similar. And Matt and I have had the conversation like, is this something we might consider let us know if that would be something uh you check out yeah and i'm not entirely i'm not entirely sure what that would look like so i think some of the feedback would be what (laughs) what would you dear listener like you know how how would you see that working and so forth so always uh always in motion the future is to, to use a quote from another story universe but pete how can people keep the marvel conversation going with you you can find me on Twitter, on Threads, on Blue Sky at Peter P I E T E R J K T L A R K E T E L A A R twelve thousand six hundred followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter, is looking back lost. Do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on fantasticgeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, and Threads, where we are fantastic as well. But wait, Pete, there's more facebook.com slash fantastic geek with the ph all one word like it today as mentioned a couple of times now we are back this weekend to talk uh a a season-wide look at echo then beyond that well pete we'll be sharing the plans shortly uh, certainly by this saturday but uh cooking up something uh cooking up something in a neck of the old universe that uh, we have not spent a lot of time in so looking forward to that but with that, Pete, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs>